Welcome to another edition of the Super Flight Podcast, your Carol Walker of NBA podcasts. Because much like Carol Walker, this podcast has a lot of things to say that you might not always like. Go check her out. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Joe Borelli, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. It is, well, right now it's Wednesday, February 28th. Happy last day of February, people. Um, but the show was recorded on Monday, and uh, I just now have... I've just now I've gotten around to editing this thing. Um, sorry for the delay. Anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Keith Parrish from the Fast Break Breakfast comes on, and he's an amazing guest. He's very knowledgeable, a very smart guy, and has a lot to say about the Grizzlies, which I think you'll enjoy. And um, we get into some fun conversations. Before that, let me tell you about ways to get in touch with the show, because this is your favorite part. It's my favorite part, too. Yay, us! You can follow the show on Twitter at SuperFlightPod. You can follow me personally at Joe Borelli. You can also follow me and Snotty Drippin' together over at Dunktales Podcast or at Dunktales Pod on Twitter. And um, you can follow this show on the Almighty Baller Network. You can click and subscribe anywhere you find your podcasts. I'm not going to go through it again. You know how to do it by this point. And you should rate and review this show, because as I keep saying, if you rate and review the show, other people will find it, because that's just how it works. It climbs up the charts, and everybody finds it, and then that makes me happy, and it makes you happy, and then the people you think should be listening to me, because I actually have really good things to say, not for my basketball analysis, because honestly, I'm a dummy, but for just my big fucking mouth, you can share it, and then everybody can hear me talk about things, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. So, to that end, let me read you one of the nice comments that one of my friends left me. And then you can follow suit and you can do the same thing. Uh, Jay Watt wrote, great show, really great NBA talk. He has on great guests like John Hill. <laughs> Thanks, John. Anyway, uh, yeah, do all that. Please uh, subscribe and um, that stuff. So, then we'll, we'll all be one big happy family. In the meantime... So Sunday, my wife and I, we uh, we got tickets to go, or I should say she got tickets. She bought tickets to go see Black Panthers. We went, and we went to one of these fancy Manhattan uh, eatery, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, what's the thing that called did you go see a movie in? A theater. We went to a, a theater where you can get brunch and, and drinks and coffee and and relax in like recliner seats and have a whole cubby to ourselves with blankets and a pillow. And it was freaking amazing. It was a wonderful experience. Just just that part of it alone. Not even the movie. The movie, however, was fantastic. Okay. I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm not going to tell you about it. But I don't know if you feel the same way about the second Christopher Nolan Batman as I do. But for me, that movie was so good that it actually stepped out of the comic book genre and became like just a really good movie, movie, right? It was like, it was inspiring. Was it inspiring? I don't know, but this one was. But it was, it was more about a person that you could sort of relate to than it was about a comic book movie or a superhero, right? This one, Black Panther is similar in that as as a superhero movie it was fine i i like superhero movies i'm i'm big into superheroes i used to you know collect comic books like crazy when i was younger um and i like black panther so as a superhero it was fine it was a good it was a good film as a really uh important cathartic um triumphant uh sort of piece of art for a people who have been oppressed for a really long time and have been shown in the country that they live that they don't matter and they're second-rate citizens this movie was fantastic it was so much more than a comic book movie it was uh, i don't even know you have to go see it for yourself but it was it was fantastic it was really well handled uh there's it's very sort of political at times and takes no small shots at our current state of affairs and our current moron in charge. Um, and it's, it was beautiful. It gave me all the feels, man, like all the feels like I'm sitting in the theater, like trying to not cry. Yeah, that's, that's right. I'm a man. I can cry. I'm trying not to cry in front of my wife who's sitting there crying. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. I'm just, there's no tear in my eye. There's no tear running down my face. Um, you know, luckily it was dark enough that I could just like, you know, turn my head and, 
me to brush the tear away. It was beautiful. It was a really good movie. It gave me all the feels. Um, I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's important. I know people have criticized that, uh, you know, Michael B. Jordan for being wooden and not that great of an actor. And listen, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe there's parts of his acting that are, I mean, he's not a stellar actor. That's fine. Um, he did a fine job in the film. I wouldn't, really criticize him that much although he doesn't really he doesn't really feel villainous to me um but i think that's part of the film as well anyway i would say rhinos are the worst part of the film just you gotta go see it and let me know what you think and there was the fact that like this was backed by disney right disney owns marvel and yeah disney is the big bad evil corporation and i understand that and i get that and i probably agree with it um but i really like the fact that one of the largest freaking corporations in the entire world in Disney has actually put money into making um, a low key sort of social and political statement. And I really appreciate what they did. Like they, you know, I, I'm not saying that Disney corporation won any points with me, but I, I like the fact that they like didn't pull any punches. And even though it wasn't overtly, um, uh, what's the social political and like, you know, in favor of, uh, of every man. I mean, it was, I guess, but it, at the same time, it didn't really pull any punches and they left some, some key drops in the, in the end of it. And, uh, I mean, some, you know, highly political things. So you'll have to see the movie. And if you have even half a brain, like I do, it, it'll, it'll jump out to you and you're like, Whoa, they just said that that's awesome. And they left it in the film. And that's even more awesome. And I like that because it's a Disney film and because there is so much money tied into it and it's a Marvel film and like it's going to reach, it's reached such a large audience. And listen, in a time when politics has invaded everything, including this sports podcast, right? It's really important that um, people that have the ability to get their message out there or the ability to like say stand up and be counted for people that don't have that ability. It's really important. And I applaud Disney and Marvel for doing what they did and letting this come out and, and uh, making this cathartic piece of art for uh, a lot of people that really deserve this. And I don't know. And I think it's also relatable. Any, even if, you know, if you're a comic book fan, it's a really good movie. If you're, if you're just a person um, who's not of color, then, you know, you can you can see where this is movie is really important. Right. And it's uh, it's really important. I think it's a great, great, great thing. And I'm super happy it came out. I was really glad to see it. And, you know, all that aside, all that social political bullshit outside, not bullshit, but it was still a really fun film. Like it was well done. The effects were groovy. They were groovy. They were they were pretty fun. Um, they were great. Like, you know strong strong female cast um it's just really good all around man i really enjoyed the film i i i'm calling a comic book movie a film you gotta go see it anyway the rest of our weekend was spent uh not the rest of our weekend the rest of our day was spent walking down to the oculus the the um the uh uh building down in lower manhattan where the world trade town you know world trade center is that that Oculus in, like going inside, it's insane. If you're ever in New York and you want to go do some sightseeing, go there. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Wide open underground. Um, it's impressive. So there was that. I got to go see some sights this weekend. I'm ashamed that I hadn't done it sooner. I'm sorry, but you know, what are you gonna do? I I, I work too much. Um anyway, all this aside, uh Keith Parrish was nice enough to lend me some of his time, took a break from his really super popular podcast, which you're going to hear all about, and came on my show and told me all about the Grizzlies. And we talked about uh, Jimmy Butler's injury and we talked about some playoffs that we're excited to see. It was a lot of fun. It was a really good conversation. And uh, yeah, so give it a listen. After these messages, we'll be right back. Keith Parrish, welcome to the Super Flight uh, NBA show. And uh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I think most people would know you from Fast Break Breakfast, uh, which is a very popular 
uh, podcast that I've just only come into. So sorry. <laughs> is it is it very popular? This think, is fantastic I, news. I think it's pretty popular. I don't. I mean, you you obviously the pe- see the people that listen to it. I don't, but I, I it's it's gotten some buzz, man. Uh, I mean, I'm always happy. Like the people that are listening, it's it's kind of neat. But I mean, I don't know. It's still uh, it's still the niche of the niche. We're like we're like the. I feel like we've become kind of maybe the podcast for people who just listen to basketball podcasts. So like, it's still a very small. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what we are. Uh, but I am happy that people listen to us, and uh, I've made some you know internet friends through the podcast. Totally. Well, tell people where they can find you and your podcast, and then then you get more well, listeners. Yeah, yeah. The podcast Fast Break Breakfast. It's available everywhere. Uh, you know, Google it. Uh, any podcast service, and uh, I'm on Twitter at Fast Break Break because Fast Break Breakfast doesn't fit. But uh, yeah, and we just put out two episodes a week. We have one full episode with my co-hosts John and Chuck, uh, and those are, I guess, they're they're comedy. We didn't know it was comedy when we started, but then everyone's like, "I like your comedy podcast," and we just thought we were talking about basketball. And then there's another episode every week where I just interview someone, which is, I guess, more normal. I guess, or just whatever two guys talking about basketball so yeah the, hopefully there's something for everyone and uh check us out if you don't listen to us fast break breakfast awesome thank you you know what real quick i have to pause this are you recording i am perfect then never mind let's keep going uh, i guess you're gonna have to send that to me because i can't record anybody anymore for some reason no matter what i do it just will not work um so anyway thank well yeah I'm glad that you guys are uh, super popular now, or sort of. Sort <laughs> Again, of, according, yeah, according so, to you, listen, I'm going to say you're popular. I'm going to say you're popular. Just listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you're listening to this uh, podcast episode, we are very popular. <laughs> That's the one thing you should take away. Exactly. So, welcome to my lesser popular podcast. Um, yeah. Anyway, do you want to talk? Uh, I, I I asked you to come on because you know you 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 seem like a pretty knowledgeable NBA guy. Um, and I've listened to a few episodes and I've been pleasantly surprised, especially when you had James Hollis, my, my cohort, on. Um, he almost forgot to shout me out on your podcast the last time you had him on. And I was like, man, I want to... I did cut some things out uh, that James said where he actually was just talking about you nonstop and it got to be awkward. Oh. So I was like, I gotta, I can't, I can't broadcast this. Right. Yeah. No, don't worry. I, I have to cut things that he says out all the time. Um, but anyway... Um, yeah, let's let's talk some basketball. Um, you want? Yeah. You want? I I asked you. To, I know you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan, and if I had realized this earlier in the season, I really wanted to talk about them. But you know what? Let's talk about them first. I know I I sent you this okay. outline, of, yeah. and we'll talk about other teams. We'll get to the Wolves, and we'll get to the playoff seating and stuff. But what did you think? I haven't gotten to talk about this at all yet about the Tyreek Evans non-trade that happened during the trade deadline. I was outraged. I've I've kind of beaten uh, beaten it to death on on our show. Uh, just I, I was really bothered by it. Obviously, this is a it's been a bit a rough year for the Grizzlies. A year where they were ostensibly going for it again. You know, like they didn't come into the season looking for a rebuild or a retooling. They were trying to be really good. They they were going to be, I think, fine if Mike Conley hadn't gotten hurt. You know, they were they were had an a winning record, you know, early part of the year when Conley was playing mm-hmm. and obviously Tyreek Evans was playing really well. And that ended up being a, a fantastic signing in the off season because that they signed him for just, you know, $3 million, just kind of like a make good contract. So anyway, the season went terribly and it became painfully obvious to everyone that this is a rebuilding year. And even if we don't want to do a full teardown, like try to trade Gasol and Conley, this Conley injury and losing could be a blessing in disguise to retool the franchise for the future by getting a high draft pick this one year. The Grizzlies don't own their draft pick next year. That belongs to the Boston Celtics, I believe, as long as it's uh, not in the top six, eight, something like that. Uh, And so then the focus of the season changed. And part of that was, all right, so let's focus on being good again next year. But because of that, because Tyreek Evans, we only sent him to a one-year deal. We don't have his bird rights. We should trade him for pretty much whatever we can get. Uh, they held out for a first-round pick, even though most people who were, like, hardcore basketball fans were thinking it's almost, you know, there's no chance they get a first-round pick because the teams that are going to trade with them, they're, they're not going to give that up. Like, the Wizards aren't trading their first-round pick again. They, right. they, they kept doing that uh, seemingly every season. You assume the Celtics weren't going to give up a first-round pick uh, to the Grizzlies because it's in the Celtics' interest that the Grizzlies are bad. 
because right. they own their pick, you know. Right. And also, the Celtics are kind of dealing, you know, as as uh, your buddy James Hollis points out, this season is just kind of like gravy for the Celtics. Like Gordon Hayward got hurt, so they're like, we don't need to trade a first round pick just for this season, you know. Uh, so the trade deadline came and went. The Grizzlies reportedly turned down the offer of two second round picks. When I and I just kind of lost it. Like I got livid with. If the Grizzlies didn't have Tyreek Evans, they wouldn't have traded two second-round picks to acquire Tyreek Evans this trade deadline while they were, you know, 20 games under 500. Mm-hmm. And in effect, that's what it felt like to me. Like, oh, we we had, we had like, two second-round picks that we could use for our team going forward. If we wanted to, say, dump Ben McLemore's contract or if we wanted to try to trade for someone good next year or if maybe we just want to use these second-round picks – because the Grizzlies have been trading them and using second-round picks, you know, in the past. So second-round picks are, are a form of currency, and we've seen with the lack of cap room coming in this upcoming season that it seems like the value of all draft picks has really gone up. Like the, the Atlanta Hawks assumed they would get a second-round pick for, like, you know, Ersan Eliasova or uh, Marco Bellinelli, mm-hmm. and they ended up not being able to get those. And so those those guys are just getting bought out. Both so of whom are going to end up on my team, the Sixers, but go on. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and, like, and it's like the Sixers. It was like, okay, um, I assume you guys would actually – the Sixers would give the Grizzlies a first-round draft pick maybe if, if like, we they included Jared Bayless. And, obviously, Jared Bayless is making a ton of money for next year. Mm-hmm. But for the Grizzlies, I was like, you know, if you can make it work, if you can unload it, that's that's reasonable. That yep. seems like the price to get a first-round pick. But, obviously, the, the Grizzlies had no, had no stomach for that. So, I guess the, the con- conclusion of it all is they chose not to get any future assets for Tyreek Evans, even though – uh, like they almost certainly can't resign him. That they've shifted the narrative to now we can use our full mid-level exception on him next year. And again, that gives me pause as a Grizzlies fan because this season, this half season of Tyreek Evans is an incredible outlier mm-hmm. on his professional career. He's been healthy and he's hitting his threes at a great rate, and he's become a, a decent you know three-point shooter. But mainly, he hasn't been able to stay on the court. So the guy, the idea that oh, this one year where he signs like the one year make make good contract, he actually stays on the court, and we're going to reward him by him being the only like acquisition, even though he's not an acquisition. Like he's the only guy the Grizzlies can bring in next year, pretty much, if they're going to use their full mid level on him. And it's like oh, we're going to lock ourselves into this guy, and that's the best case scenario. You've sold me why you didn't end up trading him for two second round picks. So. I'm kind of dark. All right. That was a lot of that. <laughs> there was a lot to unpack there. Um, okay. We can move forward. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, man, I, I should have been taking notes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, luckily, we have an audio recording. Yeah. To go I can just go back. I'll, I'll listen to it quickly and then come back and ask my questions. No. Um, no, that's a lot. And here's the thing. Like, do you actually think that he's going to sign there next year when they actually went and sat him during the, the, the trade deadline? Sat him out so that he could trade him. And I feel like that ruins the relationship between the player and the team whenever you try and do that, right? So they're making things bad right there. And now they're just saying, oh, well, we couldn't trade you. You you know, you weren't even worth two second round picks. Um, or you're worth more than that to us. Maybe is that maybe that's what they come around and tell them. But now they're going to try and, and re-sign him next year. I, I don't... Does he take that? Does he... Does he... I feel like he's a free agent in the offseason. He can just go wherever he wants now, right? Right. I can't imagine if like Miami wanted to sign him or like the Sixers next year want to sign him for something like, hey, come be in this better situation. He obviously has a Memphis connection, having played college basketball there. And again, all the stuff coming out of the Grizzlies camp is, oh, he loves it here. He's expressed that he really loves it here, mm-hmm. which, you know, you, you don't know if that's true. That's right. just what the teams say. So it seems really weird uh, that he's, you know, this coming season, he wants to sign a big contract kind of like the payoff for the last few years and maybe one of the last big contracts he'll sign. And it seems like not getting traded is going to cost him money. No one covers the Grizzlies when, especially when they're losing. Right. So like he's going to fall out of the national media picture for a while. If he would have found himself 
in a playoff race, he can make him more of a national name. People will be talking about him. He can't play any better than he's already played this year. He's not going to be playing any better because they're not going to be playing him heavy minutes. So it's you're not you're not going to be watching Sports Center and it's going to be like oh Tyreek Evans had had twenty seven seven and seven mm-hmm. which he did earlier in the year because now no one's covering these things. The only things coming out of Memphis will be you know the tank race. Right. So like I don't I don't see how he can make himself any more money by staying on the team. So it seems like the Grizzlies have cost him future earning potential, and I don't know how that would sit that well with his camp, especially when they'd already told him to go home and not play for a week we're going to send you to a playoff team and then you don't do it i don't see how it can help and i can't see the grizzlies offering him any more you know than than like a, a two or three year at the, at the full level and it just takes one team right like, i don't know what the situation is maybe the mavs next year are like oh yeah we struck out on all our free agency uh plans uh why don't you come here for one year for 15 million or like the the Sixers did this year with JJ Redick and Amir Johnson maybe right. the Sixers are like you know what things didn't we didn't get exactly what we wanted but you want to come here and play we we got 18 million for you and that, that's all it takes and then the Grizzlies have nothing and they kept him for nothing and have nothing going forward into the future it's- Hashtag #nothing <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why people think you're a comedy podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, the thing is like, oh God, I totally lost it. You just had me laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn it. Um, I was going to say about, yeah, the, it only takes one team to to offer him a contract. And Memphis is already up against it with, with Conley and Gasol. So imagine, I would, I'm guessing they're probably going to lose Tyreek Evans in the offseason. Right. The, the whole franchise seems like it's, it's terribly run. Uh, the owners seem like a bunch of a-holes for lack of a better word (laughs) seriously man like we forgot about how dysfunctional this grizzlies organization is because for the last four or five years they've been in contention for you know at least deep in the playoffs because they have some amazing players there but they haven't been the model franchise right which when you have good players that makes up for everything and changes your culture changes all that stuff um but here's the problem now you have a gasol who's who's getting older and he's not his defense is sort of tailing off. I don't know if it has to do with the fact that he's not as engaged this year because he knows they're not going anywhere. Maybe he's saving some energy and saving some life for next year. And Connolly not being there obviously kills your team. Other than that, they have a bunch of like D league players on their team. So, and then I don't know what they were planning. You know, I don't know what you plan on doing, but what are they doing for the future? Like what, what, what possible moves do they have going forward now? If, if Marc Gasol and Mike Connolly Come back fully healthy next year. Possibly they could be a playoff team, right? But what's what's the ultimate goal? I mean, is it just good enough to get into the playoffs? Or, or don't you think they should be looking down the road a little bit more and trying to make some moves? I don't know. What are your thoughts about this? In their minds, they are making moves for the future by acquiring, as you called them, like the D-League team. Like all the G-League players on their team you know, they're like, all right, we're, we're just taking a few flyers. Some of these guys are going to pan out. Like maybe Ivan Rab is going to be a decent player. Like Wayne Selden at times has looked okay. Dylan Brooks looked look to be a good pick. Like this is going to be a guy in your top eight or nine rotation going forward. Uh, so they keep drafting all these, these second round players or acquiring them. As a fan, like I've been frustrated by it because – they've had talent for years and they've been in contention for years. You know, mm-hmm. they have the, what the third longest playoff streak or second longest still, you know, which is obviously ending, but since they kind of peaked at when they lost to the warriors in the conference semifinals, uh, three years ago, they haven't restocked any talent. Like they've, they've actually since then made just kind of like really bad moves one after the other to the point where you ended up having this team that was Mike Conley and Mark Gasol. And then the bench was all these, again, like fringe NBA players. Like, I'm not sure that guy should be in the league. Like Andrew Harrison has made nice steps this year, but he was on the team last year. And it's Mm -hmm. like, he's not very good, but we need a backup point guard because Conley misses games every season. So like the question, what are they doing? It's like, yeah, they're kind of, I don't know. They're, they're trying to be maintain relevancy, which I'm fine with. Like as a Grizzlies fan, I'm honestly, I'm one of those who's like, okay, let's make the playoffs every year. That's fun. Like coming into this season, I was like, I don't think we should trade Mark Gasol because I'd rather still have three or four more years of him than like a middling asset. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want the Sixers, you know, the, the 22nd pick for Mark Gasol. I'd rather hang on to the, the Mark Gasol. And that might put me in the minority of like NBA Twitter, you know, like the, the tear it down, let's do a rebuild type thing. So I think the plan is, I mean, the best case scenario, 
oh, not not total pipe dream, but like the reasonable best case scenario is Conley and Gasol are are able to play seventy games next year. You end up with a top five six draft pick this year, and it becomes a, a decent rotation guy and then you pretty much run it back you know you have uh and maybe you do re-sign Tyreek Evans for the full mid-level and he gives you a year so then next year you're you're a legit team mm-hmm. uh you're a you know you're a 47 win team 44 win team even and I think those, that's completely reasonable again the, no one is going to give them credit for this if Conley hadn't been shut down for the year with his Achilles pain and this preemptive, you know, uh, let's just rest him because we're losing. The Grizzlies were definitely in the playoff race. They, they would be right there, you know, with the Wolves and the Nuggets and, the, uh, you know, the the bottom of the Western Conference. They're, right. they're pretty much the same team as, like, the Trailblazers. They, they were going to win, I think, 40, 45 games or something because mm-hmm. they'd actually upgraded from the year before and just gotten a few more decent pieces, Tyreek Evans being the uh, prime example. You know, and the other thing is, like, you couldn't really count on the fact that Chandler Parsons is never healthy. Because uh, I know they put a lot of money into him, and they were hoping he was going to be that next that next level guy that would take him, you know, get him over the hump. But it, he's just been constantly injured. I don't even know if he's playing this year. <laughs> like, well, man, he, he played he played one half. It was so strange. Like, they kind of shut him down, and then they played him one half, like, right before the All-Star break. It was really weird. It was like, Chandler Parsons is back. Like, what? <laughs> And then and now he's out with illness again. He's always out with illness. And That's, I don't know if he's is that lifestyle? I don't know why. I was why gonna say maybe he needs to go to rehab or something. I mean <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I mean and honestly, in all the in all the Grizzlies talk up until this point, we haven't mentioned Chandler Parsons, which is obviously a huge albatross on the franchise mm-hmm. and, a, and a giant blow that they really it's it's almost remarkable they have overcome it the last couple years, I guess to the degree they've overcome it. Like they went into that summer of 2016 with max cap space and, you know, a first round pick and a future first round pick from the Clippers. And they turned that all into Chandler Parsons, who's worthless, useless <laughs> and Wade and Wade Baldwin. And they traded those, th- that first round pick for uh Roddy Zagarach, who they have since waived. And uh, who's the other one? Deontay Davis, who is, He's nice, you know, a compl- right? Yeah, he's not. He's a completely I mean he's like a completely replaceable big man. Like <laughs> I'm almost of the camp now, like you shouldn't draft like you shouldn't draft undersized centers anymore. Yeah. Cause they are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Like just just grab a big man. You can find a hustler. And that's another thing with this Grizzlies roster building. They have four undersized centers or oversized power forwards. Like you you need like one. You need max yeah. one. Like yeah. everyone's going to uh, kind of small ball. I don't think this is a zig when you zag. This is a uh, guys. We don't we don't need Bryce Johnson. We don't need Ivan Rab and Deontay Davis and Jarrell Martin. Uh, and we also already had Brandon Wright. You know, who is who's gone on to better pastures. The, the playoff race. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I have no idea what to, <laughs> I have no idea what to say. I, I <laughs> the problem is like you mentioned before, nobody pays attention to the Grizzlies and as much as I want to. Uh, they're not fun to watch. They're yeah, yeah, like that, crazy. man. Oh man, they've been they've been so not fun to watch. I've argued other years like you guys should pay attention. They actually really are secretly fun to watch. But I think like Marcus Gasol is like kind of mailing it in. It's a very ugly season from him mm-hmm. to watch. Uh, Tyreek Evans, I don't think is fun to watch play basketball. Just period. Like he might help you win. I'm not sure. Right. But he does. You know, he has an incredible incredible stats this year. You know, he's scoring at an incredible rate. His uh, his isolation numbers are awesome. Uh, shooting percentages are good. But he's not. He's not pleasant to watch, and the rest of the team is is an abomination. They <laughs> lost to the Heat. They lost to the Miami Heat the other day by like thirty, and it was a thing where, well, yeah, the Miami Heat have are playing nine people who are better than every single Grizzly that's playing. It's yeah. like I don't know what, you know, the ninth like Bam Adebayo is destroying whatever. I don't know. I guess Ivan Rob was trying to stop him, and uh, it was it was ugly, <laughs> and I got very sad at the team building of the Grizzlies. Like what what. You gotta have some depth, people. Well, this is the NBA. Yeah, seriously. I mean, as a Sixers, as a longtime Sixers fan, I can relate to what you're going through. It's you know, it gets dark and it hurts. It hurts. A well, lot. at least you guys were were sold a religion to buy in. We, know, we haven't been sold anything. We we just get condescending comments from the GM Chris Wallace, who's like, <laughs> "Don't worry about it. We got it. Quit paying attention to the media." I know what I'm doing, and it's like just at least try to pretend we're building towards something. You know, it's funny that you bring that up too. I was thinking about this. I was listening. To, I don't know if you've ever listened to the rights of Ricky Sanchez. I gotta stop like giving them props on my podcast, but I love those guys. Um, and they're, they're a Philly podcast and they, yeah. one of their sponsors is, is a lawyer. And they were talking about, you know, you know, lawsuits that I got, I got to thinking like, what would it take for a fan base to actually sue 
their organization, their their basketball team. Like you're we're, you're you're leading us down this path. Like if I was the Phoenix Suns fans, <laughs> I would right. put a bunch of people together and get a lawsuit and be like, "Please sell the team. You're you're terrible. You have no direction." And I thought about this in terms of Philadelphia with what they did with Sam Hinkie. Like you just mentioned, they had a religion. That's true. Yeah. You know, in a weird way, Philadelphia was sold hope. So you wouldn't be able to sue them because they had a clear path. They had a clear vision of what they wanted to do. It just required patience and time, which is something, you know, it's not nothing. Like Philly's fans suffered for four years straight. Well, actually, the real truth of the matter is they suffered for like 15 years straight, um, right. which is why this was possible. Um in those other 11 years were way worse than the last four. Trust me. What would it take? Like, you think that's, I mean, there's gotta be some sort of clause, right? That you can't actually get a fan base together and sue a team. I don't know if there's a precedent for this. I, don't, I, I feel like, I feel like I've, I remember reading about NFL fans suing before over things. I mean, I'm not sure what the, what level of gross incompetence or damages you have to demonstrate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's one thing if the, I'm a, if one thing if the organization is like blatantly ripping off your fans, then yes, you can sue them. But like, just for disenfranchisement, maybe like you're, well, like you're the, completely the Chicago, incompetent. Go ahead. I was saying the Chicago Bulls in the off season. It seems like their fans could have revolted. Right. It seems like it's turned around okay. But when they, you know, when they made the Jimmy Butler trade, which was incredibly unpopular, it, it, you know, retrospect, it, it looks better. Uh, like Markkanen looks pretty good. Chris Dunn has played well this season. But to, when they made that trade, then they end up selling the draft pick, the Jordan Bell draft pick. Mm-hmm. Like th- that's that's pretty close. Where it's like this just seems like gross incompetence. I know. Uh, and then the Timberwolves, like Timberwolves fans, you know, when the Derek Rose rumors started up, oh. it's like, is there anything we can do? I was talking uh, <laughs> on, on our my podcast yeah. uh, with Zach Harper. Like, is there anything a fan base can do to to like? an injunction to keep a team from trying to sign someone because it seems like such an obviously obvious bad idea. Right. But I don't know. Like as a Grizzlies fan, I'm also a, uh, I live in Nashville, but I'm a season ticket holder Mm -hmm. and I end up selling most of my Grizzlies tickets. And I, I, we also run Grizzlies watch parties in Nashville. And, uh, so like the Grizzlies being bad and not presenting any form of hope and, like one as a season ticket holder, I don't get any of these. I haven't been sold. Like this is why I should buy in. This is the clear vision of the team. Like I see other teams doing that. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I haven't, I haven't received any of that. And then the Grizzlies being bad and being bad in such a way that you can't find anyone arguing for them. Like you can't find, like Chris Vernon, who yes, he's an employee of the Memphis Grizzlies. Like he said some like pro. I guess this is why it's good, but it's very tempered. He isn't like he's mainly pointing out the bad stuff. So if you can't find a single national writer who can defend like hanging on to Tyreek Evans, that's bad, and that makes a negative culture to the fans, and it's killing our watch parties. That <laughs> in, that that in fact like that that uh, adversely affects me oh, yeah. in that way. That adversely affects like my podcast. And like if the Grizzlies are good, our podcast does better. So it's like, you know, it seems like there's all kinds of little businesses that that are, you know, affiliated with NBA teams where if you band together to be like, hey, this incompetence, uh, you, you're, you're harming. Like you're harming sales of uh, all the bars around the arena of, exactly. of the T-shirt vendors. Like you're harming everyone. You should you, we, we could come up with the, the stone in a pod ripple effects. Just like, listen, you're killing all of us. Like, you're That's right. There you go. You've got That's a defense right. or you've got a you've got. A- but I think I think you got to demonstrate some kind of uh, gross negligence or some kind of like you can't it can't just be a thing where like i don't feel like we should have traded that you know it should be like an obvious like you're you're clearly uh mishandling the franchise and i don't know i don't know if that's gonna happen yeah and again i guess you I know, mean, we talk to grizzlies a lot but i was gonna say that also the owner robert para like it just came out that the sec is looking into his uh business which has you know people have questioned for a while so mm. might, we might have an owner uh transfer coming out because there's this buy sell clause which is real i guess nerdy and uh, that's my baby uh registering her oh, opinion do you want me to pause anyway. for a minute uh no i think she's all right we can, oh. we can fly on all right cool well you're, you're doing great <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i don't know I, I, I have no idea where i was going with this but it seemed like an interesting thing to talk about it just popped in my head this is what i do like things pop in my head i like to talk about them uh you want to talk about the wolves they just recently lost jimmy butler uh, he went down with a torn meniscus in his knee, which at the time it looked really scary because anytime a player goes down with an injury that's not contact related, it's, you know, the the worst case scenario just jumps right in your head. And you're like, oh, it's an ACL or it's an MCL or he's, he's his leg fell off. This is not good. Um, 
Luckily, it's just torn meniscus, right? So he's going to probably be, I guess he just had surgery yesterday. It was successful surgery. I didn't hear if it was to repair or remove the cartilage, which apparently there's two ways you can go about it, right? There's either you go in and you take out the cartilage, which will stop the pain, I guess, temporarily. But then you're also removing part of the cartilage between your knee that makes it not hurt when your bones touch or it will allow your bones to touch, which would be horrible and really shorten his career. Or apparently you can go in and repair it, but it takes longer to heal. So I don't know which one they did. It seems like he's, they said he's out indefinitely. I think they maybe went in and he probably did the smart thing and, and trying to heal it so that he has legs for the rest of his career. Yes. But anyways, he's going to be out indefinitely. I don't know if he comes back for the playoffs. Nobody knows. There's nothing, you know, no updates yet. But people are uh, thinking they might drop drop a little bit out of the playoffs. What what are your thoughts? You have any thoughts about this? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a I'm not an extreme Wolves expert. I've caught some of their games. I haven't seen him play uh, since he got hurt, which was just you know right after the All Star break. And again, how awful was that? Where he mm-hmm. he set out the All Star break. All Star break. Right? Uh, he was either hungover or he was just like enjoying not having to play 40 minutes a night. Uh, but then the first game back to get hurt is just you know just incredibly bad luck. It, it's really sad for Timberwolves fans who again like franchises that have had it tough. You know what? I think was it a 13 season playoff drought? Like they haven't been in the playoffs for forever. Yeah, which exactly. is again, I know you're a Sixers fan, but this is why, as a Grizzlies fan, I've always like I don't really want to tear down on purpose. because yeah. some teams get stuck. Like some teams get stuck and you never get out. So like as long as we can keep winning 45 games, I'm fine with maintaining course. You know, obviously this year didn't work out for the Grizzlies, but the Timberwolves, yeah, man, it's it's awful for them. Jimmy Butler was was playing incredible. Um, I don't. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Still, they're they're up several games in the in the win column. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're uh, like the Jazz. I, I noticed are are six games back in the win column with only you know we got like twenty five games left. So that, that, that's a that's a lot to make up. The I think the Timberwolves also have a the tiebreaker over the Jazz and over the Nuggets probably. So. I think the Timberwolves are going to make it, but obviously, like, does this mean they they don't have a chance in their first round series? Like, perhaps the the way the team is built to me, like, already had question marks. Where it's like, right. why do we have you know, like, all, all, we have all these shoot first players to to the degree where it was Carl Anthony Towns was like sixth on the team in shot attempts for a long stretch, mm-hmm. uh, and and even still, it's you know, Jimmy Butler like was the leading scorer, but Andrew Wiggins took the most shots. Jeff Teague is not a setup point guard. So I think they can endure enough to get into the playoffs without any real issue because you have all these other guys who honestly like shooting the ball. And I, I think we'll see hopefully a lot of that missing Jimmy Butler usage go to Carl Anthony Towns, who's having an incredible, I mean, just, I don't know, uh, stunning uh, statistical season where, you know, I don't know what what the his comparison is for a big guy who's shooting such incredible percentages on jump shots. He can post guys up. He's like he's you know he's quick. He's yeah. he's just doing everything. And so mainly, if he gets more shots, that seems to be a good thing. I think this is a good opportunity for Jeff Teague, who you know is somewhat beleaguered. Like fans kind of get on him. They're always like, there's always a little bit of the back a uh, backup QB syndrome, like with Tyus Jones. But like Jeff Teague's a good player, and I think if he has one less guy who he, who he feels like he needs to defer to. That actually could help them, and maybe things will go kind of easy. Uh, it's just too bad with with the Wolves roster; they don't have they don't have a natural substitute for him. I know um, Bielitsa started the last game, like at the three. Mm-hmm. He's more of a stretch four. Like their closing lineup will probably be just Jamal Crawford at the two, and everybody kind of sizes up. Like Taj Gibson's playing great. But so they, they have a bunch of big guys, you know, right, and Jimmy right. Butler was kind of that guy who could play shooting guard or small forward and, and soak up all the minutes. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't I don't know how they're going to replace him. If it is uh, my initial thought was, hey, this is Shabazz Muhammad's chance. Like old Shabazz <laughs> who turned down that massive contract extension and then got signed to the minimum and is like completely frozen out. You know, like maybe this will, this will get him a chance, but he hasn't played in the last couple games. Maybe they will work him back in. But again, he's a he's a shoot first guy who doesn't even have three point range, so it's not a perfect fit. So, I feel bad for the Timberwolves. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's an easy answer, but I, I do think they they will be able to survive and end that playoff drought. Yeah, I mean, right now they're in the fourth position. They're in the fourth. They're fourth currently in the West, right? <clears throat> they're but they're only three games ahead of like of uh, Portland, 
and they're only four games ahead of Denver. And both of those teams, like Portland, I mean, you know, Portland is what they are. I'm not sure if they're going to keep winning at the pace they are, but Denver's looking really good, except for that loss last night against the Rockets. I don't know, man. If they 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 have such a bad defense to begin with, and Jimmy Butler was clearly their best defender defender on that team, losing him is huge. So I know everyone is talking about that uh, Andrew Wiggins is going to have to step up and carry the load, but you might be right. It might actually fall on Jeff Teague more if they can get more out of Jeff Teague points wise, and you know, uh, what was I going to say? Sorry, I'm doing two things at well, once. Well, <laughs> I, I was going to say, um, the thing, uh, like, everyone's saying Andrew Wiggins needs to step up more. I mean, again, caveat, I'm not a Timberwolves expert. Right. Same. I think Andrew Wiggins needs to definitely not step up. He needs to not do any more than he was currently doing. He, like, does, he does. All those extra things, yeah. I think, need, need to go to Carl Anthony Towns and Jeff Teague. Like, those guys need to step up. Like, Wiggins was already, already leads the team in shots. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 bro, just stop. Like you, you're you, you, like you're you're doing enough. You're doing too much. Stop. Like you're doing enough. I I really think like they should just spread it spread it out and defer to Carl Anthony Towns and Jeff Teague. I that's my mind. Again, I don't watch every Timberwolves game by by a long stretch. Right. But uh, that that that's that's kind of my opinion on what the, what they should do. Or maybe there's a uh, maybe a buyout like a buyout guy. I'm thinking Vince Carter. Like, Vince Carter would be mm. a perfect fit mm-hmm. if he could work his way out of Sacramento and if he was cool with going to the Timberwolves. I think Vince Carter might actually be a great fit, you know. Get him and Jamal Crawford, have that super old guys off the bench. That'd be fun. <laughs> but I think Vince Carter's a guy, you know, who can blend in with a team. He doesn't need shots. He can stretch the defense. He makes smart plays. I think that would be a, a great fit for them, uh, you know, in the absence of them playing Shabazz Muhammad or giving that old, what's that guy's name? George's Hunt, uh, like that guy, you know. It's yes. like I know I know next to nothing about him. But, I don't either. Uh, I think Vince Carter could be could be a great fit, you know, if, if they can uh, work that out in the buyout. It'd be a totally first. That'd, be, got, a, that'd be a coup for the for the uh, Timberwolves. It would, but he has to get bought out first. So like, <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna happen. He I mean, can get bought out. He's, he, maybe he doesn't. He doesn't. Maybe yeah. you can just punch somebody or something. And be like, all right, you're out of here. I don't. <laughs> I don't condone violence. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what they do. I feel like they're going to drop a few games, but I think they'll probably still be okay. Someone asked us on the Dunktails like last week if we thought they would get to 50 wins um, this season. The Timberwolves went would, and as I was reading that Twitter question, Jimmy Butler got injured. So I said yeah, yes, but I'm taking that all back now. Yeah, uh, I blame James for everything. Um, well, yeah. And their schedule's really hard coming up. Yeah, it's so not like, an easy I, schedule. You know, like I think their their next nine are kind of all against playoff teams. Yep. But, but even if they go, if they win like th- four of those, I think they can definitely win four because even though it's tough uh, against their opponent wise, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually really spread out. Like they have a lot of days off in between games. Okay. So maybe they actually do some some actual you know NBA game planning, some practicing, some some stuff going. Right. My little my little girl's trying to pitch in. Yeah, she's got a great voice. She never on the oh, thank you. <laughs> never on the podcast more often. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, they were seven and eight before in the last fifteen games before Butler went out. So I don't know, man. I think they could go on a on a slide. Do you still have more time, or let me know when you're you need? Oh to go. yeah, let's keep let's 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 keep let's All let's right. keep rocking as long as she's she's smiling. She's just making noise. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. She put some headphones on her. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you want to talk a little bit about the playoffs? Is there anything interesting there for you? Uh, oh yeah, I mean all of it. All of it is interesting. I, I'm worried about the Jazz. I've I've grown really enamored with the Jazz, especially so during their win streak. Yeah, but there's still so many games back, and like the All Star break, I was worried it's going to take some of their uh, some of their momentum. Um, and the teams they're chasing, you know, like the Pelicans are on fire. Anthony Davis like, has been insane these last couple of games. I think he what he's averaging thirty nine and fourteen. Fourteen, it's crazy in, in the la, in the five game win streak. And people it's are first... people are talking about him as an MVP candidate again, and all of a sudden, and you know what? It's 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 on point. Like he's been that good. He's been so good. Yeah, it's one of those if you if you care about like where they seeding wise, mm-hmm. you know, if, if they end up being the sixth seed, which they are now, like if they make the playoffs after Boogie Cousins going out, that's just the right narrative device to uh, to win him, you know, in MVP because yeah. it seems like we're always looking for like the kind of what narrative is gonna is gonna carry a guy to the MVP. So yeah, like the like the Pelicans are playing great and that playoff race in the West and even the Clippers, like we keep riding off the Clippers, but they keep playing really well. They really uh, do. Their schedule is also tough, so it's it's going to be. Uh, I, I'm super excited, and to see where it all shakes out, like to see if it shakes out with the Spurs. Like, are the Spurs 
you know, like, are that is that the, the first round matchup that teams are going to be angling for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy to think right now the three and four seeds in the West, it's the Spurs and, and the Timberwolves, Timberwolves, who both could be missing in the playoffs, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. And so is this an opportunity for one of the rare, like, like a lower seed to advance? Uh, so it, it's going to be, yeah, I mean, the, the West is going to be incredible. The East playoff matchups, I don't know, like, like what, are, what are you looking forward to? I'm kind of most excited to see who Philadelphia ends up playing in the first round. You know, it's funny. I was going to say the same thing, not just because I'm a Philadelphia fan, but like right. it's, it's, they're like the most exciting team in the East right now. Like Cleveland, I mean, they just swapped their whole team out. They had two really great games, and now all of a sudden they can't beat anybody again. They just lost last night to the to the Spurs again, right? Well, I mean, they're, people are saying like, you know, the Cavs regression came back. Like they, they lost to good teams in close right. games. Right. I'm not I'm not too worried yet. I still think uh, I'm still I'd still bet on LeBron. I think I'd bet LeBron over field. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not a smart bet, but uh, I, I'm still I'm still I'm still kind of trusting in LeBron. Same. Uh, as a as a Philly fan, who are you hoping? Uh, who are you hoping that the Sixers play in the first round? Man, you know I've been thinking about this a lot. Right now, as it stands, right now they would be playing Cleveland in the first round. Now, as a Philly fan, I mean, like I want to see them play a really good team. I I as the season goes on. All right. So initially, it was like. We were thinking maybe they'll get into the playoffs this year. Maybe they have a chance. Maybe they'll finish around 40 wins. But as the season goes on, they've been way better than anybody expected. So now I'm thinking I would love to get them out of the first round. Right now they're <laughs> yeah. they're, they're playing in Cleveland. If, if the playoffs started today, they would match up with Cleveland because somehow they jumped into the sixth spot. I'm looking at the standings right now. This doesn't seem right. Did I need to refresh? No, nope, yeah, they're in seventh. seventh. Okay, they're yeah, yeah. seventh. Okay, so right now they would be playing Boston, which I hate. I don't want them playing Boston. Um, you guys could take down Boston. Who's going to guard Embiid? Uh, yeah, that's the thing, though. Like, Boston has this real good dif- defense by committee thing going on. Whenever they see Embiid, man, they just swarm around him and make other guys shoot. So I'm not crazy about that matchup. They they have a yeah. way of taking Embiid away, and that that scares me. So really, I I don't want them playing Washington either because – I don't know. Washington just scares me a little bit too. If you didn't watch the game last night, they got it handed to them. They were also well, on a second night of a back to back and three nights and three games and four nights. So they were tired, but I wouldn't mind them playing Indiana or Milwaukee. That would be a lot of fun, but I don't think the seating's going to match up that way. Yeah. I think you guys would have to go on a run and, and finish ahead of them to maybe get that four seed. Mm-hmm. Washington. Now that's a team. I'm so intrigued that how they're playing without John wall and yeah. how they seem to be, gleefully enjoying the yep. fact that he's not playing the fact that they keep saying this everybody eats comment like the fact that they keep in my mind brazenly insulting john wall <laughs> like, i don't feel like it's being i mean i know it's being talked about but yeah. i feel like can, Listen, are you, is everyone seeing this like they're just openly saying we don't like playing with john wall and they look way better without john wall and uh like ever since jj Berea made that comment like you know, like, I hate that guy, and everyone knows all his teammates hate him, too. It was like, <laughs> Wait, oh, man. when did you make that comment? Well, I didn't see that. Where was that? John Wall called J.J. Barea, I want to say, a midget. And I'm sorry <laughs> for anyone offended by that. He called, like, so John Wall said that to J.J. Barea, and J.J. Barea said something like, it's fine, I hate that guy, and so do all his team, and, and his, all his teammates hate him, too. Something to that effect. And so oh, I was like, oh, maybe is, is this an open secret? Like, is this an open secret that everyone hates John Wall? Mm-hmm. And then, and because we've always had those quotes over the years of Brad Beal being like, uh, you know, yeah. talking about how, you know, like that. And then, like, there was there was the the quotes of John Wall throwing Otto Porter Jr. under the bus. Mm-hmm. He's like, if we're going to be good, we got to have a third guy. I mean, Otto Porter's fine, but, I mean, we got to have somebody good or something. You and know, you're like, Otto Porter's playing great. But anyway, this I, team with, with, with Tomas Sadaransky – they just they, they swing good. the ball around, yeah. and you see like you see Brad Beal setting everybody up. You see Marcus Morris like just passing to cutters and doing all these give and goes, and Gortat getting all these shots right in the sweet spot, and mm-hmm. he's having a blast. And like in, in in like Gortat and Wall had to have a closed door meeting to settle differences recently. Yep. And the fact that the Wizards keep winning, so I am I am riveted by all the stuff, the, the, the intrigue in our nation's capital basketball wise, <laughs> just, it's great. Like, it's like this team is playing so well. They it's, seem to obviously love playing each other and, uh, their all-star John wall is just on the sideline wearing some weird Morpheus glasses. Just, you know, like, I don't know what he's saying. He's like clapping, but does he feel good that everyone like 
Like, we're having so much fun since you've been hurt, buddy. He's trying you to know? figure out <laughs> if he should take the blue pill or the red pill. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I was thinking about talking about Washington with you, but I can't I can't stop talking about them. So I was going to avoid it altogether. But listen, I asked on, on the Dunktails, we're on the super flight right now. So with the other podcast I do with James, <laughs> I asked James about about Washington specifically. And I had an idea. Since you're talking about it anyways, I'm going to ask you yeah. what you think. Yeah. What would you do? It. My idea, my theory is that the reason Washington can't get over the hump is because their bench is not good enough in the playoffs, right? Yeah. They're playing so well right now. They're sharing the ball. Sadaransky has done an amazing job of stepping in as a point guard and getting the ball around. Um, he shoots fine enough. He's not John Wall, obviously. He's never going to be John Wall, but he's playing a really important role on that team right now. Everybody's eating, as they like to say, and it looks like it's going really well for them. My thing for me, I would... If I was ownership or if I was the GM right now, I would really consider trading John Wall at the at the I mean I would have considered doing it before the the uh the trade deadline, but at the at the um what do you call it? The draft? Oh my god, I'm losing all my yeah. words today. I would really consider moving him at the draft because if you get him back this year and you get him in time for the playoffs, fine, that'll work. You know, they'll maybe they can click and they can keep going. But if you have a chance to trade a guy with John Wall's potential or John Wall's like star caliber to a team that would be willing to give up a whole lot of stuff for him. And you can give this team to Bradley Bill, who seems like he's, he's perfectly capable. I, you know, maybe a better player than John Wall. I, I would seriously look at trading him. What do you think? I mean, I think you have to consider it. You have to put out feelers to be like, you know, what can we get for John Wall? Cause also you, you have the circumstance in Washington where you kind of know what your team is. Mm-hmm. And you have extreme, they're up against the luxury tax. Yep. You know, thanks to all the huge contracts, the Otto Porter huge contract, the the Jason Smith, we paid him a little too much for no reason, like mm-hmm. contract. So when you know what your team is, you know you're locked in kind of what your ceiling is, and then you see the team playing so well without John Wall, one of your max guys, I think you have to look at it to be like, does another team want this? Like, right. like, 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 what can we get for it? Um, so, yeah, I, th- I would definitely consider that if I was in charge of that. And I probably need to wrap up. This uh, right. little girl wants to walk around. No worries. <laughs> no worries. All right, Keith, listen, thank you so much for spending 40, 40 minutes with me on the phone today. Um, hey, no worries. <clears throat> we'll have to do this again. You know what? Luckily, I got something stuck in my throat, so <laughs> it's a good time to wrap <laughs> up anyways. Uh, why don't you plug your podcast one more time and we'll, we'll get out of here. Yeah, fast break breakfast. We uh, just, uh, you know, we're... We like to say we're uh, we're a podcast for serious NBA fans that's incredibly not serious. So if you're a uh, you know if you think podcasts should be a little more fun, we're, we're, we hope we're for you. You know we try to be intelligent but also have a good time. Awesome, thanks again, man. Uh, I'm gonna let you go. All right, thanks, Joe. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. There you go, everybody. Keith Parrish from the <clears throat> sorry I'm losing my voice. Keith Parrish from the Fast Break Breakfast podcast. That's a hard thing to say. Uh, thanks again, Keith, so much for coming on. You're an amazing guest and very informative and very intelligent and have an adorable baby in the background. Um, so that's gonna do it for me this week. I'll talk to you guys next week.